Now the disciples had forgotten to bring any bread, and they had only one loaf with them in the boat. And he cautioned them, saying, Watch out! Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. They said to one another, It is because we have no bread. And becoming aware of it, Jesus said to them, Why are you talking about having no bread? Do you still not perceive or understand? Are your hearts hardened? Do you have eyes and fail to see? Do you have ears and fail to hear? And do you not remember? When I broke the five loaves for the 5,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? They said to him, 12. And the seven for the 4,000, how many baskets full of broken pieces did you collect? And they said to him, seven. Then he said to them, do you not yet understand this week we begin a sermon series that is looking at spirituality and asking about this uh, spiritual dimension of the human being and how uh, we can develop it how it might grow and so on and if we want to think about our spirituality, then we need to understand that our spiritual nature is about our connection to God. It's about that relationship to God and the ways uh, that it overflows into our relationships to others and binds us together in love. But, you know, our spirituality is not something that we should ever take for granted because, like most things, we have to develop our spirit just in the way that if we want to become stronger, we have to work on our muscles. Or if we want to become smarter, we have to exercise our brains. And so it is with our spirit if we want that to grow, then we have to exercise our faith and our spirit in order to grow. Hey, I, I would say it more like this, you know, because of our free will, we have to open ourselves to God. We have to become attuned or tuned in to God if we're going to receive. Um, it's like, suppose you're driving in your car, some of you have a bigger steering wheel, and you get, you, you, you get to a point where you realize that the thunder are playing a game and you want to listen to it. So, of course, if you want to receive that message, you're going to have to tune exactly the dial to that station or you're going to get all kinds of other messages but you're not going to get the one that you are really looking for and so it is with our spiritual lives that we need to attune tune in our senses to the living god now i know that there are many of us 
who have had uh, one of those dramatic moments in our lives when we felt like it was unmistakable that God had shown up. You know, many years ago when I was uh, in my last year of my PhD program in Atlanta, there was a pastor of a large church in Denver who thought it would be a wonderful thing to bring me on as the associate pastor uh, or one of them, uh, and a theologian in residence and whatever else. And so he invited me to come interview at that church. Well, the 15 or 20 members of the staff did not share his vision. And the day was brutal. They were mean. They were nasty. Uh, they were like nitpicking at me the whole day. And by the time uh, the interview was finished, you know, I was that close to tears. And I was like, there is no way this thing is going to work out. So I went to the Denver airport to fly back to Atlanta. And I sat down at the gate and I looked over and there was another senior pastor from the Denver metro area that I knew. And I went over and I said, what are you doing here? And he said, I'm flying to Florida for a funeral. What are you doing here? When I proceeded to explain to him what had happened that day. And as we boarded the plane, we ended up sitting across uh, the aisle from each other and we spent the next two or three hours with him explaining to me the problems of that congregation and saying, you know, it wasn't at all about you. It's about them and the dysfunctions that are present in that church. Now, I knew that this was a God moment, that this guy had shown up at just that time so that I could put this behind me and didn't spend the next months going, what, what did I do wrong? What should I have done better? It was very clearly one of those moments in my life when I knew God had shown up for me in a powerful way. But the question for us is this. If God is present in every moment, how do we tune ourselves in? How do we attune ourselves to be aware of the presence of the living God in the everyday moments, in the ordinary things that are going on in our lives. That's where the challenge really comes in. And so this passage in the Gospel of Mark is just so interesting on many levels because if you read this passage, you should see us as those disciples. We should read ourselves as the ones that Jesus is saying, do you not yet understand? We should see ourselves in what they are doing, and it helps us recognize why it is so difficult so much of the time to tune ourselves into God in our lives. Now, the first thing in this story is you've got to realize, so here they are, they're getting in the boat, and I picture all the disciples like in one end in the bow and Jesus is up in the stern or vice versa. And they look around and they go, who was supposed to bring the bread? There's only one loaf. How are 13 grown men going to be fed on one loaf? And then they start like, you know, James, I think you were supposed to bring the bread. No, I, I wasn't supposed. They are worried about the loaf of bread. And meanwhile, the bread of life is right there in front of them. And it never occurs to them to go, hey, Jesus, 
What do you think we ought to do about the bread? Now, you see what, this, what the gospel writer is trying to say to us is this. You and I, we get so caught up in the physical, material things of this world that we then see them in a way that we cannot see Jesus. Now, I'm not here to say that, that we don't look at the evidence of the world. We most certainly do. But we have a problem in that that becomes what's real. That spiritual connection isn't real. The possibilities and the power that Jesus offers that God is always making known to us doesn't have the same kind of reality as the physical material world. And so what do we do? We end up worrying about that thing. And all the time, Jesus is right there in the front of the boat saying, Woo! You! You know, I, I would say to you, if you find things in your life that you're worrying about all the time, they may have reality to them, but where is your spirit looking? Where is your spirit searching for the peace that says, you know what, there is a way, but I can't manufacture it. And then you go to this second thing right here in this first part where they're so caught up in the physical world that they can't see Jesus right there. And that is, if you go back and you look at the first 13 verses in the, in the chapter 8 of the Gospel of Mark, what does Jesus do? He feeds 4,000 people with a couple loaves and a couple fish, and they collect all these baskets. And now here they are together with Jesus, and somehow they forget that happened. Now, our natural inclination at that point is to go, boy, these dumb disciples, they are really clueless. But I don't think that's really what it's about at all. You see, faith in our spiritual life is never about the past. You've heard me say this before. We look to the past because it's comfortable, it's finished, we know it, there's no risk. But faith is always about what God is going to do in this moment. Faith is always about what God is going to do in the next moment. Faith isn't about what God did, just did back there. It's about will God do it here and now. So you can look to the past, but that will never give you the confidence of the faith in this moment to look to see what Jesus is going to do here and now. I don't think it's that they are so dumb. I think it's that they are so human that they need to activate their faith, the eyes and the ears of faith. Not what was done back then, but what will God do now? But then there's the next thing that happens in this story, which tells us yet another thing about why it is so hard for us to go through our lives and to kind of zero in on, tune ourselves into the living God. Jesus says this. Beware of the yeast of the Pharisees and the yeast of Herod. Now, for a lot of people, this sounds really weird. This, like, doesn't belong in this story. But in fact, it makes a very precise point that is important for us. 
So whenever uh, we think about yeast in the Gospels, it's, it's this image, it's this metaphor of the thing that will take the dough and make it rise and make it expand and make it increase. It is that power that bubbles up and and magnifies or grows something, right? So the yeast is going to take over and it's going to be the power within that thing. So when he says, beware of the yeast of the Pharisees, we know the Pharisees are always what we want to call religious authorities, right? It's not just those Pharisees, it's the Pharisees of any day and age who set up a religious system and force people to follow it when it may or may not be the way of God, right? So uh, think about uh, the way that the Pharisees took God's law and then began to add all these rules and regulations that excluded people and uh, kept people from the living God. Or think about how Christians waged the crusades. We're going to kill people in the name of God. Gee, that sounds to me like the yeast of the Pharisees. Or even today, denominational politics that divide people and they yell and they, and they dislike each other. Or even those who are so enamored with the rules of uh, the church that they can't extend the love of God in Jesus Christ to the person that's in front of them. The yeast of the Pharisees sets up a religious system in the place of the life of faith in Jesus Christ. They are not the same thing. Now, that's not to say that the church is a bad thing because sometimes the church can be good, but it can also be yeast that is about uh, self-gain or about privilege or about power or about rules rather than saying, hey, Jesus Christ and his love and his truth, that's what we are all about. The yeast of the Pharisees, beware. It's going to pull you away from seeing the very presence of God. And then he goes on and says, but beware of the yeast of Herod. Those secular authorities that are going to do the same thing, those societal messages that are going to say, look over here, this is the way, when all the while God is over here saying, this is really the way, if you would just tune your eyes and ears to me. So... If you go back to the first century, you know, these uh, disciples, most of them couldn't read or write. You think those fishermen could read or write? No, maybe the tax collector, but whatever authorities told them was what they would hold to be true. Now, in our day and age, we have all this access to information and can look things up, and yet we are probably worse than ever. You go on social media, you read a post on Facebook, and you're like, oh my goodness, the sky is falling, and these people are terrible, and you start to send it to others, and pretty soon all your friends are upset about it, and there's not a grain of truth in it, but you saw it on Facebook, and you don't bother to find out if there is anything accurate in it. And it divides and it makes people angry, and they start pointing fingers at one another. Does that sound like it's of God, even if it's naming God? No. The yeast of Herod. I'll give you an even more simple example. 
we take our kids. Davis isn't here today, but Davis has been in this sanctuary for since he was Cal's age. And we do our best to raise him up in the faith and to give him the values that we cherish. And then one day, Davis is old enough to go to school. And he goes to school, and the kids laugh at him because he's not wearing $100 sneakers. And he comes home, and he's like, Mama, I, I have to have $100 sneakers. Everybody's making fun of me. And he'll, he'll bug you, and he'll beg until you get him those sneakers, which you probably would never do. But the point is that that message, which is out there in the world all the time about who you should be and what you need, distracts from saying, and where is Jesus in the midst of this? Is Jesus right here in the front of the boat and I can't even see him because all these other yeasts are infecting me and pulling my attention elsewhere? Remember that Jesus, at the very beginning of his ministry, is in the wilderness being tempted, being offered these other messages, the message of power. He's being offered the message of all the material goods in the world. He's being offered the message of the best possible life. And every time Jesus says... Worship God and only God. Every time Jesus says, I will look only and always to God as the way and the truth and the life. You know, people of God, there aren't many things that go on in this church that I don't hear about in one way or another. Uh, that's just the life of a community of faith, especially one that is as connected as we are. And I know that last week, the 4th of July, there were some people who were disappointed, upset, even angry that we did not sing patriotic hymns during worship. And my answer to you is this that I will never apologize for worshiping Jesus. That I believe when we come to this hour on Sunday, my calling as a pastor is nothing less than to help you open and attune yourself to Jesus Christ in our midst. One hour out of 168 in a week, I'm supposed to tune the dial to Jesus for you so that the next 167, you may be able to have that receiver where it needs to be. It doesn't mean I don't love my country. It doesn't mean I don't honor veterans. I'm a veteran. It doesn't mean I don't think mothers and fathers aren't important, but I will never put anything on the level of Jesus Christ, and I will never have anything in worship that may take you away from the one hour a week when you can focus on the living God. I make no apologies for that. We have to attune our lives to the spiritual depths. We will not be saved by the government. We won't be saved by social media. We won't be saved by anything but the power of the living God made known in Jesus Christ. 
And so, throughout our lives, we're like going into that optometrist shop, thank you, Crystal, for today, where they go A or B. And you go A, that's the one that goes to God, A or B. I don't know, help me, right? Yeah, it's terrible. But the whole point is that again and again throughout our lives, we are trying to open ourselves, attune ourselves to the living God, knowing with all of our hearts and souls and being that it is the way that will lead to life and that abundance. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.